there. Welcome to SpicFic NZ podcast, where we bring you the authors that aren't afraid to ask what if. I'm Matt Danaher, and I mostly write unpublished short stories. I'm Kura Carpenter. I'm a Dunedin fantasy author. My debut novel, The Kingfisher's Debt, has come, just come out recently. And I'm Nick Whitaker, and I have nine novels that are indie published at the moment. Hello and welcome everybody. Tonight we're very lucky to have a guest with us, Kevin Berry. As well as being an editor, Kevin is an Amazon best-selling author living in post-earthquake Christchurch, New Zealand, where two of his contemporary novels are set. Kevin writes a broad range of styles, including contemporary, children's interactive and non-fiction. In 2012, Kevin jointly won Best New Talent in the Sir Julius Vogel Awards, and his short story, On the Run, from the New Zealand speculative fiction anthology Te Kororo Ahika, my apologies for that, um, terrible pronunciation, has been shortlisted for the 2019 Sir Julius Vogel Awards. Welcome, Kevin. How are you tonight? I'm very good, thank you, Kira. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just amazed by the um, broad list of things that you have done and continue to do. It's really aspirational. Um, and so our standard question is, since we're all about SpecFic NZ here, um, so how did you find out about um, being a member of SpecFic NZ and how long have you been part of the group? Um, I think I've been part of the group about eight years. Um, long time. Or maybe just over eight years. I think someone told me about it. Um, I can't remember who. And yeah, there was a meeting on and so I went... Yeah. I went to the meeting and, and met a few people. Um, that was when Ripley Patton was president. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been about yeah. 2012, I think. I, re I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I met a few people then. And, um, yeah, that was, of course, in Christchurch. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I kind of got encouraged to spend more time writing, more speculative yes. fiction. Yeah, sort of things have really taken off since about um, 2010 at the, the way that local writing has um, been able to have access to the world, largely thanks to Amazon, love it or loathe it. Yes, um, <laughs> yes absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the um, reasons I was particularly um, keen to have you along today um, is because you are part of the revival which is going on for the interactive fiction um, in my childhood, I think it was called Pick a Path or Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, yes, that's right. Trademarked. <laughs> currently, there's a, a New Zealand publisher, I believe, um, who have produced their own version, which is called You Say Which Way. Um, so I was just wondering, um, what do you think it is that really appeals to children and I know because I know as myself as a child and it's been a revival so it seems mm -hmm. that generations of children really enjoy this type of story and having written several yourself what do you think it is that um, really engages the kids with the book? I think because they're, they're written in the second person so mm -hmm. it's all about 
you know, um, you go along the road and you see this and and, um, and then what do you want to do when you're faced with some tricky situation? And it, it really puts the kid in the middle of the story. Um, oh, and yeah, particularly with the You Say Which Way books, all of the choices are meaningful and they're also gender neutral books. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's... Um, you know, a girl or a boy reading them, they, they feel as if they're the one in the adventure. So I yeah, think that's that quite a, a key things. point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, the, uh, yes, I mean, the original books um, of, you know, our own childhoods, those were much more like um, fighting monsters and rolling <laughs> dice and, you know, and do you want to turn left or do you want to turn right? Um, mm. is, yeah. you know, nowadays, you know, the revival is um, with choices that are, you know, more meaningful to the actual adventure. Like, do you, do you want to um, talk to the ship's engineer or do you want to talk to the ship's captain? You know, something yeah. that really has that, an impact on the story. That sounds a lot better, actually. It does. Um, yes. So how did you become involved with uh, the You Say Which Way series? Um, well, that's a good story. Um, I was at the con three years ago, and Deb Potter, who's the publisher, um, was giving a talk, and she was talking um, about, you know, about the You Say Which Way books and what it's like to write those. And because I remembered, you know, the, the books from my childhood, I thought, well, this sounds really good fun to actually write some of those. Um, so I caught her after, you know, the, the panel and I said, I was really interested in writing those. And, um, yeah, so we just had a, started a dialogue, um, and she wanted me to write, you know, a few scenes and, and talk yeah. over a plot and, and it just went on from there. Brilliant. So, so the, uh, fortunate timing. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, had, I didn't even know there was a revival in those books um, until I met her at the con. So, yeah. Yeah, that was quite lucky. And what I liked about your stories, I think you've got three with the series. Um, you've got such a wide scope on your stories. Um, like, for example, Stranded Starship is a sci-fi story battling mutant space pugs. Got to, yes. I've got to get my hands on that. Um, and Jewel at Dawn. Is an historic adventure set in 17th century Paris during the age of the Musketeers. So, yeah. um, did Deb, did she give you free reign over the topics, or did she like to say, like, we need a story about Musketeers? You write no, it. No, no, it was it's um, it was my ideas. Um, Brilliant. I just talked mm -hmm. them, you know, through with her. Um, with the first one, Stranded Starship, I talked through, you know. Um, the, the plot a bit more, but then she just left it up to me, really. Um, yeah. And Jewel at Dawn was, um, was, yeah, that took quite a long time to write, so I did quite a bit of research. Mm. Uh, with Movie Mystery Madness, we did a bit of um, touring and throwing, um, changing scenes, and um, a lot of discussion about the title, because we couldn't yeah. decide whether it was going to be movie mystery or movie yeah. mayhem or, or movie madness. And so we just came up with a composite in the end. 
Yeah, you didn't do a focus group of get some kids and sit them down and say, which oh, one we asked plenty of people. I guess at the end, you've just got to make a decision, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what I really wonder with um, writing the story um, is when you're dealing with multiple threads, how does it work exactly? Is there like one core narrative that you try and steer people towards and all the other things that branch off are basically dead ends? Or do you possibly have like um, three, like, because, you know, obviously with a, a story, if you're trying to achieve a goal, it can be either um, success or failure. So that could give you two core threads. Um, how does it work exactly? Um, not really like that from from what I've done. Um, yeah. When you look at the, the lengths of the paths, I mean, a kind of trend four, five, six um, scenes. Yeah. So starting scene and, um, yeah, then just, you know, a few to follow it before there's an ending, which can be either success or failure. Yeah. Um, with Movie Mystery Madness, um, I had, basically I had, um, the setting was all the same. But you could be on one side, you could be um, one of the extras, or mm -hmm. on the other on the other main branch, you could be in the production um, crew as an assistant. Yeah. And then all of the choices came off off those, but each of them was their own story. Yeah. Um, with Stranded Starship, uh, I had this idea of a um, yes, a, a starship that had broken down and being raided by yeah. pirates, essentially. Not calling them pirates, because um, I wanted to make it sound more exotic and space-like, so yeah. they're not pirates. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was a, a main theme of that book. But then each of the threads was like, you know, if it could have started slightly differently, this is how the story would have gone. So... I ended up um, getting into this situation where I had to think, you know, around the theme in, in all different ways um, yeah. and try to write it from different directions, really. So whether you go and speak to the engineer first or whether you go and speak to the other passengers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the central part of it was the same. Mm. Uh, with Jewel at Dawn, it was... It was a bit different. Um, I had like three or four different adventures. So you could set off, I think there were four different ones within the book. So yeah. depending on your choices, um, you start off down a line and then, yes, you might fail and die um, or you could see it through to the end. So that one was a little bit different to the other two. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic that you... Um that they have that trust in you to um, come up with a different way of writing it each time. That would make it a lot more interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. It's, it's always a challenge. Yeah. And so just one last question. Um, so which did you have a favourite out of those three? And was your favourite, um, uh, did that reflect well in, like, in terms of feedback that you got from the kids? Do, do you think the kids had an overall favourite? Um, did you get that kind of feedback from the publisher? I think, well, my the publisher's favourite is Jill at Dawn. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's selling as well as the others because 
it's it's not American history, you know. It's, right, it doesn't right. Really appeal to the American audience. Yeah. Um, Stranded Starship is probably my favourite because mm-hmm. um, it's you know speculative fiction and it's I guess it's it was the first one. Um, so yeah, I'm going to write more. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's a lot really of fun to write. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that yeah you can explore all those. Um, yes. Different threads. That sounds actually really satisfying as something as something to read and to write. And it's it's oh. really good being able to kill off the main character in so many different ways. And you can't <laughs> do that in, in other books. Yeah, yeah unless you're George R. R. Martin. Yes. <laughs> um, on That's on funny. on that on that note. Um, so just taking one of your books as an example, uh, Kevin, like maybe Stranded Starships, sure. a speculative fiction. So how many ways are there to, to die on that and die in that? And did you start with a plan to achieve that many like ways of success or failure? Or did it just happen organically? Um pretty much happened organically. Um I'm trying to remember how many endings there are. I think there's about eighteen endings. Wow. And you know, split fairly evenly between successful ones. Maybe there's a slightly more failures, you know. But each way of failing is different. So, you know, if you die Ooh. one way or you get locked up in the um, ship's brig or whatever, you know, and you try again, and the kids love trying, you know, yeah. a different route through the book, um, they're not going to meet the same fate the second time yeah, or the third time. So, yeah, I think that makes it interesting for them as well. Mm. Yeah, and kids seem to actually like failing. At least um, my son James does. I mean, he he likes to read the books and he likes to see what will happen if he deliberately makes a choice yeah. that he thinks mm. for. It's kind of um, safe failing, disaster. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Get yeah. To test things out, and then you get to go. Oh, that wasn't really my decision. I'll go back and make a different one. Exactly that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just yes, so I you can see what will happen. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the uh, with the fighting fantasy books that um, the Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone ones, which I, I loved when I was a kid, I used to actually yeah. it's terrible. To, I feel terrible admitting it, but used to kind of think, what will happen if I make this decision and kind of skip through a few pages and think, oh no, that uh, won't yeah. end yeah. well. <laughs> I think we all did that. I think we all did yeah, that. Yeah, we all did that. Good. I don't yeah. think anyone who did that. <laughs> yeah, good. That's, makes yes. me feel like less of a dishonest person. Um, I mean, eighteen possible endings uh, in a in a children's book, and what's the total word count for Stranded Starship? Um, it's about thirty thousand words. So that's uh, an incredible number of threads, really, for that kind of mm. small number of words. And did you have any techniques or tools for keeping track of where you were at? Did you write them all separately, or how did that work? Um, I. I had a, a notebook where I just wrote everything down, all my threads, um, all of the choices, and I eventually ended up creating a kind of a flowchart. Mm. Um, and because I had this this central theme in mind of you know the ship um, being raided, you know I had to bear in mind um, what was going on that that the the reader didn't know about yet, you know, but they might walk into in the next scene. So, yeah, so a flowchart was quite useful. It was like a flowchart and timeline put together. Mm. Did, you, um, did you talk to anyone else about how you do that or did you come up with it yourself? 
a way of approaching um, it. I kind of started out wanting to do um, completely separate branches and then they, they kind of all merged into one. So, um, and that was something I, I didn't intend at the start, but it actually works really well. Um, so I didn't really talk to the publisher about it until I was maybe um, halfway through and I knew that's what was going to happen. Um, and yeah, she was quite happy with, you know, with me to carry on, see what happened. Um, yeah. That's wonderful. She sounds very supportive. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's a few different writers who write them. Um, so I think there's over 20 books and mm. you know, that she's published. Yeah, that's quite impressive. And as, um, the reason why I was asking about whether you talk to anyone else is because I think for writers of speculative fiction, um, especially in New Zealand, there's not, well, in the rest of the world, there are loads of opportunities, but in New Zealand in particular, there's not a huge number of opportunities for to go professional. No. It's extremely uh, mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah. Uh, but one of the possible pathways for, for some of our members and some of our listeners, I would hope, would be to start thinking about uh, not just the kind of things you've been writing, but also um, role-playing games, which are enjoying a yes. real resurgence at the moment, especially thanks to Kickstarter um, and yeah. things like that, and the ability to, to just publish them purely as PDFs or electronic publications and to play them online with people around the world and so on. And then also, obviously, um, computer games. And there's you yes. know, a huge market there for, um, for speculative content um in in both those in fact they're dominated overwhelmingly uh by by science fiction and fantasy so um it's quite yeah. interesting um to think about whether you've kind of learned any skills i mean whether you'd have any interest in going into that area or whether you play computer games or rpgs yourself um, um i probably used to play um playing games when i was younger um i don't play computer games anymore just i mean lack of time and mm. i'm much seen to be reading or or writing um but yeah i can i understand dungeons and dragons has had a huge comeback um huge resurgence you know that's something I, I i remember everyone used to play that um you know when i was a teenager and at university and so on it was very popular um and then it faded away because of all of the computer games mm. and yeah i'm not quite sure why it's come back so strongly Especially when you know computer games are yeah. so much better. Um, Probably a, a bit of nostalgia. Yes. Um, so it, it's also a need for that connection to people. I find the kids yeah. prefer games where they can play with other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the social side of things is is what I'm seeing, and I think um, yeah. I think and certainly you know I I don't have time to do either, unfortunately. <laughs> um, out of the two, um, I think I. I feel much more drawn towards RPGs uh, and I do actually buy RPGs and read them. <laughs> I do yeah. I do talk to people who, who play them and what I've noticed is, is definitely it's actually they're really popular among young people um, like Nick's is saying I, I think um, it's probably just as popular among young people now as they ever were at the previous they probably mm. in peak and it's just um, it's a really interesting development and it strikes me that you know, if you can leverage the kind of Kickstarter type approach properly, yes. you know how to use it. And it, it's definitely a way to, you know, people send, sell, 
tens of thousands of dollars worth of um, story through Kickstarter, and it's basically it's RPG stuff. Um, yeah. So it's definitely something that, and I know that there's members of active members of Specific and Z who um, are dungeon masters and games masters and so on as well. They'd probably be interested in thinking about um, what kind of a, that kind of approach. You can actually buy um, pre-made or pre-written stories for D and D now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there is definitely a market there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would take your type of skills. Going, but yeah. yeah, I can say, yeah, there's an opening there. Definitely. Well, that's everyone's free uh, free money making tip for the for the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll see who, who's got the time and the energy to, and the skills to, to pull it off. Um, coming back to the coming back to the kind of structure approach, I mean, you've said you used a couple of different structures for your, for your three different stories, you used different structures. Yes. And um, we'll just, I was just wondering what kind of, what was your f- favourite? Are you going to write any more for, the, for this publisher? Um, um, I think so. Uh, I'm just taking a break from that. The moment I started on a, a new project, um but yes i'd like to write more because there's so much fun to write mm. i haven't decided what, what i'll write next though she would like me to write some um another historical one but american history um i'd quite like to write a sequel to a stranded starship um but yeah i mean if you come up with any idea really it's it's mm. you know, just a few um scenarios around that yeah, there's there's a lot of fun to be had in in writing these books. Mm. Definitely what, sounds like it. What about a, a western but with aliens? <laughs> because that would hit, tick a couple of boxes. We were talking last time about how there's a massive resurgence in westerns at the moment. Mm. Yep. Wow, maybe. Yeah. Or there you go. One. That's another free. That's another free yeah. tip for whoever wants to take that one up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk briefly, Kevin, if that's okay, about um, on the run. Which, when yeah. uh, when Kura was talking about talking to you, um, I was like, "Oh yeah, on the run." And I I knew it was one of my favourite stories in in the compilation. But I couldn't remember which one it was, so I went back to yes. uh, to read it. And yeah, I I straight away remembered um, just really loving it. It's it's really short, and yeah, uh, it's it got is. Compelling uh, voice and character, and I really like the character in it. And I'm talking to someone who I really hate zombie stories, and I can't watch zombie films. Oh, I'm a real yeah. with them. But this was good. Um, it was short. It was funny, and um, as I said, a, a really enjoyable character. And I was just wondering, um, especially from speaking to someone who's new to New Zealand, and I haven't relatively new, and I haven't written any stories set in New Zealand yet. Um, yes. but I'd like to. Um, I was really interested in the character's voice and how you captured that because um, clearly it's not your voice. That's not, not how you no. talk. Um, no, it isn't. No, and and you, don't, you don't live in Wellington at the moment. Um, so I was just wondering um, what kind of research you did, if any. Was it based on people you knew? Because it seems to me um, it seemed quite convincing and you know, I, I really felt like the character was real. Yeah, I... Um... I did a lot of research. So it is a short story. It's quite short, that's true. Um, But I don't think it could be made any longer. I mean, it's quite a distinctive voice. And I don't think that could be carried 
mm. much longer than you know than it was. Um, so I had you know a, a pretty simple idea for a, a zombie story, and I kind of wrote it um, just plainly at first without that character's voice, but I mean with the character. It's just, and I read it through several times, and it, it was pretty mundane. I mean, there's a twist at the end. Um, it was a little bit funny, but it was still fairly ordinary. And I, I knew it needed a lot more. And I just thought I, I wanted to add um, much more voice of the character. Like with my novels, I tend to write, um, I tend to pick a character voice and write that. And it's often different, um, certainly as with my contemporary novels. And so I thought, okay, what's what would a teenage kid um, sound like? And, you know, I'm obviously not a teenager myself. and haven't been for some decades. Um, and they all talk differently now. Um, so I had to go online and do a lot of research. Um, and, yeah, essentially try and capture... Um, that dialect and that that attitude, and then I ended up rewriting the story um, completely, just you know to have that that attitude and that sort of swagger and dialect throughout. Mm. Um, and then that's that's actually what's um, most enjoyable about the story. Really, that's what people remember is that that voice. And then you know there's yeah, I think that is what makes it, you know, a success. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to try and write five thousand words like that. <laughs> that would have been too much. No, it's one of those interesting things, isn't it? And uh, we talked about it a bit in a in a previous podcast. Uh, Daniel Stride, who wrote um, the the epistolary, uh, is that how you say it? Epistolary. The, the letter-based or diary-based um, short story mm. compilation with, okay. with um, you know, a, a, the voice of a, a British guy from the kind of 19th century, a surveyor. And, yeah. um, you know, I think he did an equally um, good authentic job of mm. creating to me to be an authentic voice. Yes. And in, in the case of both stories, it felt like they were very much the right length and that you definitely yeah. couldn't sustain it more than, than uh, over a longer period because it just would it would lose its kind of appeal and its its originality. Um, yeah. Mick, as as someone who teaches kids, um, did you think that did you think the voice was carried off fairly convincingly? Yes, um, but that's more instinct, like saying that rather than <laughs> anything in particular that I noticed. Thank you. <laughs> and definitely, I'm glad you, I'm glad you hinted. At the uh, there there is a there is a twist. Um, quite any spoilers, and anyone who's listening who hasn't read it yet should definitely worth mm. spending literally five minutes of your time. Okay, next, did you have some uh, questions you wanted? Yeah, um, me. It's like I've write for adults, but I also teach teenagers, and I think it's amazing to be able to write YA and uh, MG and those type of things. So I wanted to know what does it actually take to write in those like kind of age range and any advice for anybody that wants to get into uh mg and ya fiction 
Um, right. With, well, with the You Say Which Way books, they're kind of aimed at like 12 to 14 year olds. Yeah. And I think, you know, an imaginative story and, you know, the setting and so on is really important because at that age, um, they're really about, you know, having something that engages them and and gets their attention and and you know a strong sort of um feeling of something original you know um that's how i feel about it anyway so yeah you know, i so try and write these imaginative stories for them yeah so something With, that engages uh, their imagination basically yes yeah i mean that all of those um books are you know, they're quite distinctive in that, you know, one is set in space and that's, that's and the other is, is set, you know, the time of the Musketeers, which is kind yeah. of a um, romantic and, you know, kind of time, lots yeah. of fighting and dueling and conspiracies and all kinds of things like that. Um, and the other one's what about the movie business, you know, something that, I thought would appeal to kids. Um, with the YA, well, it's really new adult. Um, yeah. We're set with you know, characters who are just entering college, university. Um, and it was more about, you know, their relationships and social social issues. Um, I had, when I wrote those... Um, I was really concentrating on the social issues side of it and yeah. the, the voices of the characters. So I guess that would be the, the main difference for me, um, writing for the older older kids and, you know, young adults yeah. would be more kind of social issues. And for younger kids, it's all imagination. So have you ever thought about writing, like, across the range? And is there anything that you would kind of stay away from if you were doing adult fiction that you loved in your um, fiction for the younger generation? I've kind of jumped around a lot with, you know, <laughs> writing genres and ages. And I don't think that's kind of helped my career because, you know, I get, <laughs> I get a few readers who really like the books and then I write something completely different for yes. a whole new set of readers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that doesn't really work. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I've um, just started writing um, a crime series, actually. Hopefully, I'm going to stick to that for more than, you know, a year or, you know, <laughs> one or two books. Um, but, you know, I mean, going back to speculative fiction, and I do want to do some more You Say Which Ways, so mm. I'm probably going to be jumping around for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah. And so the crime story, is that um, that's for adults? Yes. Is it, yeah, and is it, yeah. Um, so it's not speculative fiction, it's a... No, but I do have an idea of um, writing a supernatural series as well. Yeah. Ooh, supernatural crime. <laughs> so I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to choose between the two and... Mm. After some, do both, yeah. Yeah, I want to do yeah. both, yes. Can't do yeah. everything at the same time though. That's no. A, that's the no, that problem. Is, that is a problem. Um, with your crime series, is it set in a specific? Where is it set? Um, set in Christchurch. Oh, okay, great. And are you going to use That's the city cool. as a as a character? Kind of. It will have there'll be a flavour to it. 
which is a little bit different to what it actually is. Has the earthquake yeah. happened? Yeah, post earthquake. Oh, it looks Yeah, so Kevin, just one last thing. So what sure. have you personally found is the best thing about belonging to Specific NZ, other than meeting awesome people like us, obviously? <laughs> well, actually, I think that is <laughs> and the... And getting all match free thing. trip. It's, yeah. uh, it's meeting <laughs> other writers. Yeah. You know? Um and you know, making friendships and um, being able to ring up people and you know talk through plots and um, plot issues and you know things like that. Just um, so you know, writing is is often, as you know, just you know, quite solitary. Mm. You know, it's great to know that there's other people um, who you can occasionally see, but you know, speak to at any time and. They know what you're trying to do and, and um, you know, you can reach out to them for help and they'll reach out to you for help. And it's just a great sense of, of belonging and camaraderie, really. Mm. Yeah. It's quite supportive, I think. Yeah, um, I think we've all found that. Yeah, yeah that's Lisa. definitely the best thing. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been really enlightening. Thank and you for I look forward to having you. Not a problem. I'm going to go out and um, download all those books now. Oh, yeah. Are okay. the are the um, are the uh, you say which way books are they available digitally? Yes. Oh yes, they are. They yes. are. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> cool. That's what I should have asked, Kevin. Uh, so, where yes. can our listeners find you online? Um, I've got a website which is kevinberrybooks.com. Um, that's probably the best place. I have a Facebook page, um, Kevin Berry Author, and I have a BookBub author page as well. Um, and, of course, I've got the Amazon author page, but mm. I think my website is, is the best place to look. Yeah. yeah. Great. Excellent. We'll put a, link to that. put a link to that mm. in the show notes. Um, great. Thanks, Kevin, for, for contributing. Very interesting conversation. And I look forward to reading Stranded Starship. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Cool. See you, everybody. Right. See everyone later. Yeah. Bye.